If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to 1 Kings 22. 22. What I get for just adding a 2 on there. And I did catch it. It's corrected on my computer, but I wasn't going to print 45 more uh, lessons just to, to avoid that comment, Terry. <laughs> just to avoid that comment. So it's in my notes to make mention of it. And so, okay. Alright, 1 Kings 22. I hope you're there. This is the last chapter in the book of 1 Kings, okay? That's pretty exciting. But understand this. 1 Kings and 2 Kings are one book, okay? So this, this chapter kind of ends oddly because really it doesn't end. It goes on into 1 Kings. And ultimately, uh, you, we won't finish Elijah's life until we get to 2 Kings chapter 2. But this morning, we want to look at what is 1 Kings 22 all about. And let me remind you again the context is these three chapters, 20, 21, and 22, are about the failures of Ahab as an apostate, and they remind us, as we see people fall away, that apostasy always fails to prevail. Why? Because God's Word rules over all. And we've looked and we said, you know, if you're going to study Elijah's life, a lot of people will skip over these chapters because Elijah only shows up in one of the three chapters. But if you study Elijah's life without Ahab, it'd be like looking at Star Wars without Darth Vader. Okay? He's critical to what's going on. He's leading the northern kingdom into apostasy. And so notice in chapter 20... He fails to execute the enemies of the Lord. In 21, he fails to embolden the remnant of the Lord. That was Naboth. Instead of emboldening him, he had him murdered. And here in this chapter, we're going to see what we've seen all along. He fails to esteem and value, treasure and obey the Word of God. Now, through that, we see this guy progress in his depravity. First of all, he's got spineless moderation. Okay, I'm going to obey the word, but I'm not going to execute. I'm not going to believe in divine judgment, which then gets him divinely judged. And then last week we saw, or two weeks ago, we saw uh, heartless oppression. I guess it was last week. Heartless oppression of uh, of his neighbor. You know, this poor guy that had a vineyard that lived next to him. And this week, we're going to see faithless deception. The Word, the Word of God is going to tell him, don't go to battle. He's going to go, battle, go to battle anyway, and he's going to do it in disguise. And boy, is that not like us? We know what God's Word says sometimes, and we're going to disobey it, but we do it hiding, we do it in the dark, we do it alone thinking that somehow we're disguised, we're defying the Word, and somehow we think we're fooling God. That's not going to end well, and it doesn't end well for Ahab. Notice the judgment on Ahab increases in these chapters. In the first chapter, one-fifth of the chapter was about God's judgment of Ahab. In chapter 21, one-half of the chapter is about his judgment. And in this chapter... A good two-thirds of the chapter is God pouring out judgment because He has come 
to the end of His grace and the mercy of God, and all that is left is payday someday. And that's the big idea of this book. Payday someday has come, and here's why. Here's what I would say this chapter strand teaches. When your enemy is the Lord, don't be deceived into thinking you can escape divine destruction. When the your enemy is the Lord, when you're at war with the Lord, when you're defying Him, dishonoring Him, failing to esteem Him and His rule in your life, don't be deceived into thinking you're going to escape divine judgment. And if I put one verse over this chapter, it would be Galatians 6-7. Let's read that together. It's right there in your notes, so let's read it together. One, two, three, let's do it. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. And that's what we're going to find out. So let's look at the setup. Look at your Bibles. Let's read the first five verses. We'll read the first five verses. And uh, let's take a look at it. 1 Kings 22, verse 1. And three years passed without war between Aram and Israel. So, it's skipping over the last chapter, and it's taking us back to chapter 20, and saying, okay, they had these two wars, they were a year apart, now three years later. And in that three years' time is when Ahab oppressed and murdered Naboth. So he's saying three years later, Without war between Aram and Israel, it came about in that third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. Now, this is interesting. So, we've got Israel in the north, the kingdom of Israel in the north, and you've got the kingdom of Judah in the south, and we haven't heard from the kingdom of Judah in the book of uh, Kings since chapter 15. So, in chapter 16, Ahab's introduced, and from there on, it's Elijah, Ahab, and it's the northern kingdom. And all of a sudden, this king of Judah. Okay? And supposedly, they are still worshiping the Lord down here. You know, remember, these guys set up false idols, false worship. That's why Ahab is an apostate. His wife is a Baal worshiper. These guys are supposed to be the loyal ones. These are supposed to be the faithful ones, the king of Judah, whose throne is in Jerusalem. Well, the question becomes, what's he doing hanging out with Ahab? Good question. The question we should always ask when we see believers getting too, close, uh, too cozy with unbelievers. Not that we don't witness to them, not that we don't uh, befriend them, but we're going to see that Jehoshaphat is compromising with the Lord. So let's keep going. Now the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and we are still doing nothing to take it out of the hand of the king of Aram? Now, those of you that have been in the series, that should sound familiar to you, because that's how the brutal pagan king Ben-Hadad conducted business. He would talk to his servants. He would listen to his servants. And so here's Ahab, who should know better, who should be talking to the Lord, but who's he talking with? His servants. 
Okay, so this guy still hasn't learned from all the word wars that I ought to be consulting with the Lord whose word rules over all. Instead, I'm hanging out with my servants and saying, what do you think? Should we go to war? Even though we've had peace for three years. Let's keep going. And he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to battle at Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, now this blows you away, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Here is this king who's supposed to be loyal to Yahweh. He's hanging out with an apostate king. And when the apostate king says, hey, let's go make war. You know, my servants think it's a good idea. Will you go with me? He says, yeah, your people are my people and your army basically is my army. Now, here's a couple observations of this kind of... This sets the scene, okay? So, first of all, there's been three years of peace. Now, that's pure grace. That is pure grace because God has already decreed judgment on Ahab, and yet here he is enjoying three years of peace. So, when you get grace and mercy, what should you do with it? You should honor the Lord, but that's not what he's doing, okay? Secondly, Ahab and Ben-Hadad had made a covenant together, and these guys aren't keeping their covenant. Ben-Hadad had promised, I'm going to give you back what I took from you, or my father took, and he hasn't done it, and so Ahab's like, I'm going to go grab it and take it, and we just got human kings, human wisdom, in human war that's about to take back. And also, we have Jehoshaphat, who were like, why is he down here? Well, let me tell you why he comes down. Now, even though it, you'd think he'd say, they, say, they would say he went up, but Jerusalem was on a mountain, and so whenever you left Jerusalem, you went down. Okay? But why is he hanging out there? Well, the reason is... Jehoshaphat, as godly as he was, and he was godly, gave his son in marriage to Ahab and Jezebel's son. How would you like that for your son? Son, we're down here in Judah. We're the the loyal ones. But let me go up here to the apostate kingdom of Ahab and let's find the most wicked king who won the biggest sinners contest, and let's find the most wicked woman, and let's find their daughter, and let's marry you off. Now, why did they do that? In order to have peace, because Ahab was pretty strong and powerful, so to make peace. So Jehoshaphat foolishly tries to make peace with an apostate guy who's under God's kingdom, uh, under God's judgment, instead of asking the Lord to protect him and keeping his son from an ungodly, unequally yoked marriage that's going to reap consequences into the first two chapters of 2 Kings. So things are not looking good. And when he says in verse 4, you can see why he says this, their son and daughter are married. So he says, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Now just to show you verse 5, that Jehoshaphat isn't totally... It is not an apostate. He's just compromising. Not that that's good. Look at verse 5. Moreover, 
Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire first for the word of the Lord. Please inquire first for the word of the Lord. So, let's dive into this. I'm just going to give you some principles. It's a crazy, wild chapter, and there's more here than we can take apart. It's a bizarre chapter. But here's what this chapter is full of. It's full of deception. So, here's what I want you to see. Don't be deceived. I want to give you three principles for not being deceived in times in the worst of times. So here's the first principle. Don't be deceived. Number one, failing to esteem the Lord and His Word always, always has consequences. Don't be deceived. Failing to esteem, to treasure, to value, to honor the Lord and His Word always has consequences. And the first thing that we see is this. Ahab in verses 1 and 3, fails to esteem the Lord's peace by making war. I mean, here God grants him a time of peace, and he decides to abuse that by going to war without the Lord and without the wisdom of His Word. And so what we see here is this. Ahab has no loyalty towards God and no love for neighbor for three years. Listen, for three years, God had already declared judgment, but He gives him three years of peace. Because remember last week, God likes to distill or grant mercy in the midst of His judgment. You know, a lot of people say the Old Testament God is a harsh, judgmental, no mercy. That's not what we're seeing. Shake your head like, yeah, you're convinced. That's not what we see. We see a God who is very gracious. And so he grants him three years of peace. And what does Ahab do? I'm just going to go off to war. I don't care about God's word. I don't care about this God that has decreed judgment. Furthermore, I don't care about my neighbor. I'm going to abuse and murder Naboth in this time of peace. You see, Ahab still prefers human wisdom to divine wisdom in spite of the word wars. I mean, this guy has plenty of opportunity to know God's word is to be esteemed. And he just blows through all of that. His judgment is coming, and it's going to be deserved. But I want you to look at Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, whose name means Yahweh has judged, fails to esteem the Lord's blessing by choosing spiritual compromise. He chooses to spiritually compromise. Here he is down in Judah. He loves the Lord. He loves God's word. He loves God's people. He's doing good. But he fails to esteem God's blessings. And instead, he goes down. Geographically and spiritually, he goes down and practices spiritual compromise. And here's what I want you to understand. is Once you begin compromising, greater temptation will always follow. Once you begin to cheat on the Lord, then greater sin and greater cheating will follow. So, three observations here. Jehoshaphat comes down to Ahab geographically and spiritually. So it says he comes down. Yes, geographically. But the writer of the Scriptures wants you to know that he's going down spiritually. 
Why? Because he's hanging with the wrong people. And that began by marrying off his son to the wrong woman. It all is there. It all plays out. Secondly, Jehoshaphat completely identifies with this apostate king and his disloyal people. Again, look at verse 4. I am as you are. Bok, 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 bok. That's spiritually not true. You see what he's doing? He's saying, look, I, I want to identify with you. I want to, I want to, you know, I, I want to come down to your level. You don't want to be at that level. This guy is under, Ahab is under God's judgment. I am as you are. Uh-oh. My people are as your people. So here's what I want to ask you. Are the people you identify with, hopefully not in this room, I'm talking about, are the people you identify with pulling you down or are you pulling them up? Are the people you hang with, you say, well, no, Chris, aren't we supposed to be witnessing the lost people? Yes, but you can't witness if they're pulling you down. If you're lowering yourself to their spiritual temperature, well, then you have nothing to witness to. So here's the thing. Who you hang out with, are you pulling them up or are they pulling you down? Now you say, Chris, that'd be a good lesson for the live ministries. No, that's a good lesson for us adults. Right? You say, well, I don't have a lot of friends. Well, you need to get godly ones. But your friends are who you're entertained by, what you watch. Your friends are who you listen to, what you listen to. And so all of that, what you read, what you... And I know not a lot of people read anymore, but all these things, are they pulling you up or are they pulling you down? And then third, Jehoshaphat tries to be loyal to the Lord, but is already compromised with the apostate Ahab. Now, I think verses 4 and 5, verses 4 and 5 are a classic picture of the Jekyll and Hyde of the compromising believer. So what's he say in verse 4? The apostate who hasn't consulted God, who doesn't live for God, who's under God's judgment, says, will you go to war with me? And he says, I will. I will. You and me, we're one. I identify with you. I will go to war with you. And then after making that commitment, he says, oh, by the way... First, first, could we consult the Word of God? And I'm telling you, this, every pastor has had this. Every discipler has had this. Every parent has experienced this. The young person or the person who seeks counsel. They come into your office. I want to know what God's Word says on this. I want to know God's will. And yet, they've before they came in, they already had made up their mind to disobey God. I mean, it's gotten to the point in, in my ministry where when people come for counsel, and I encourage you to do so, I wish more people would come to their shepherds. Sheep need to hear their shepherd's counsel. But I, I ask right up front, have you already made up your mind about this? Have you already made up your mind? And that's okay. I'm not here to control or judge you. I'm just asking, have you already made up your mind? Because if you're already made up your mind, you're not asking for advice. You're asking for affirmation. 
And good shepherds don't affirm that which is not God's wisdom. And so it just saves a lot of trouble up front. Have you already made up your mind? But you know what? That's not people out there. That's you and, my, you and me. We determine what we want to do, and then we go to God's Word to figure out if He'll approve it. Are you with me? And this is what He's doing. Look at Him. He's already, he's already come down to Ahab's level and hanging with him. He's already completely identified himself with Ahab, and he's already committed himself and his people to bleed for Ahab, yet he claims, what does God have to say? Don't be a Jehoshaphat. Go to God first. Amen? All right, so that's the first one. Do not be deceived that when we failing to esteem God's word, it does have consequences. So, Let's go on. Now we're going to get, in verses 6 through 30, this is the heart of the chapter, and it's another word war. Okay? So, remember in chapter 20, we had a word war between two kings, and then we had a word war between God and a king. Now, and then we had a word war between God's uh, God and Ahab himself. Well, here we have a word war between false prophets and a one true prophet. A false prophets over four hundred false prophets sounds familiar, and one true prophet. You say is that going to be Elijah? No, it's a guy by the name of Micaiah. Micaiah, and here's what we're going to learn in these verses. Don't be deceived. Rejecting the Lord's true messengers. Rejecting the Lord's true messengers will always lead to deception and disaster. So be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you sit under. Because rejecting the Lord's true messengers will always lead to deception and disaster. So let's just read through this and uh, follow along in your Bibles. I want you to see the story. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. It doesn't tell us whether they're true or false, but you're in Ahab's court. About 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Now, if you look in your Bibles, Lord there is not in caps, so they're just saying, The God. A God, the God, most likely they could be referring to Baal, will give it into your hand. But look at verse 7. Jehoshaphat, the believer who knows better, Jehoshaphat said, Is there not yet a prophet of the Lord? And look in your Bibles, that should be in all caps. Is there not a prophet of Yahweh here that we may inquire of him? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Yahweh, but I hate him. But I hate him. I hate the messenger of the Lord. Why do you hate him, Ahab? Because he does not prophesize good concerning me, but evil. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. But Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Do you see the position you get in as a compromising believer? You're having to correct. 
You're having to counter, and soon you'll get worn down. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Bring quickly Micaiah, son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting each on his throne, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets were prophesying before them. So we have these kings in their royal array, in all of their authority and might, and down below them, as they sit up on their thrones, these crazy 400 prophets, and it's that same word, they're, they're ecstatic, they're, they're jumping around, they're trying to impress. Then, verse 11, Zedekiah, the son of Chanah, made horns of iron for himself and said... So this is one of those prophets. And he makes these iron horns and he says, Thus says the Lord. So see, these guys at first were prophesying just in some God's name. Now that they realize, Oh, you want to hear from the Lord? Oh, is that what you want? Oh, now I have a message from the Lord. You always know false prophets because they'll teach you what you want to hear instead of what God has said. Ear ticklers for money. Hey, I want to keep my job. You want to hear from the Lord? I'll give you a message from the Lord. And so, this is what he says. And he makes these horns of iron. He says, look. He says, with these you shall gore the Arameans until they are consumed. So he did a little, uh, uh, what do you call it when you do a, a what? Yeah, a little object lesson there. Get some iron horns out there in the promise, kids, Terry, and say, we, you will gore the enemy <laughs> until they are consumed. All the prophets were prophesying thus, saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper for the Lord. See, they're all now speaking in the name of Yahweh. We'll give it into the hand of the king. Then the messenger who went to summon Micaiah spoke to him, saying, look, I'm just letting you know. Behold, now the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. Now, I don't know if this guy loved Micaiah, cared for Micaiah, or just didn't want to see a bloody mess in front of the king. I don't know, but he's saying, look, if you know what's good for you, tell them what they want to hear. All right? Then, uh, but, but, verse 14, Micaiah says, as the Lord lives, ah, he swears. Whenever God's people swears by the name of the Lord, they mean it, all right? And God honors them. And here's what he says, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that I will speak. And when he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered, Go up and succeed, and the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Now, wait a minute. I thought Micaiah just said he would do that. This passage is full of deception. Micaiah probably said this with a smirk on his face. In other words, you just want to hear what you want to hear. So I'm going to give you what you want to hear. And Ahab knows better. Because he knows Micaiah's character. And he says, then the king said to him, How many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Verse 17 says, all right, 
Micaiah says, all right, you want to hear it? I'll give it to you straight. And he said, verse 17, I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his house in peace. Now that's radical judgment there. Because he said, all Israel. You know what he was saying to both those kings? He was saying, all Israel are like sheep without a shepherd. Shepherds were a metaphor for ruling. And basically what he's saying is, you're an apostate, you are compromising, you guys are worthless leaders, don't go to war, I'm not with you, everybody needs to go back to their tent. Verse 18. <laughs> you got to love Ahab. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that they would, he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? I told you this guy. Okay? I told you. And Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and all of the host of heaven standing by him on his right and his left. Then the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab? to go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead. And one said this, while another said that. Then a spirit, literally in the Hebrew, the spirit. We're still not sure which spirit that is. Is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it the accuser, the demon, uh, the devil? Anyway, a spirit came forward. I'll leave that for another day, or you can teach me what that is. Then the Spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. Then the Lord said, How? And he said, I will go out in the mouth of all his prophets. Then uh, I, will, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, You are to entice him and also prevail. Go and do so. Verse 23, Now therefore, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all these prophets, and the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. In other words, there's a lot of deception going on here, but the Lord is not deceived by anyone. God's word rules over all. Now, notice verse 24. Then Zedekiah, the false prophet, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord pass from me to speak to you? Well, good, good the easy answer. You never had the Spirit of the Lord, and I do. Okay? And so notice what he says. Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on the day when you enter an inner room to hide yourself. In other words, Israel, your, your king is going to go to war, and he's going to lose, and they're going to come for you. Then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah, return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this man in prison, feed him sparingly with bread and water until I return safely. And Micaiah said, If you indeed return safely, the Lord has not spoken to me. And he said, Micaiah said, Listen, all you people, God's word is going to come true. And if it doesn't, then I'm a false prophet. So the king of Israel, verse 29, So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth-Gilead. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Now here's more deception. I will disguise myself and go into battle. 
But you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. So get this. There's craziness in this passage. Here's an apostate that doesn't believe in God's word, and yet he believes in it enough that he's going to go in disguise. Well, it sounds like God's going to try to kill me. I'll disguise myself. That'll fool God. And then he says to Jehoshaphat, his blood, you know, his his buddy, and says, "Now you go in your royal robes." Now what? 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 <laughs> Think about this. See, that's what happens when you do business, when you do relationships, intimate relationships with unsafe people who don't have your values. They don't honor your God and they won't honor you in the end. So, what do we learn from this? Well, first of all, we got a couple things to learn. Let's look at it. Apostates reject whoever speaks truth that disapproves of them and their lifestyle. Apostates reject whoever speaks truth that disapproves. Ahab hates the word of God and chooses to actively disobey it. Yes, deceptively defies it. Alright? So here's the deal. Here's how you know if you're falling away from the Lord. Do I quit listening when things are taught that I don't like? Do I quit listening when things are taught from God's Word that I don't like? If you do that, even here, even now, if you do that, you and I are starting to fall away from the Lord. Second of all, compromisers accept whoever speaks the truth that approves the choices they've already made. So, Jehoshaphat is that compromiser that says, oh, I accept God's word as long as it approves what I've already decided ahead of time. Does that make sense? Jehoshaphat loves the word of God, but he chooses selective obedience and passive disobedience. Here's what's interesting. Jehoshaphat wants to hear the word of the Lord before he goes to war. The word of the Lord says, don't go. And you know what he ends up doing? What's he end up doing? Going. I want to hear the word of the Lord. Don't go. Well, I don't want to do that. I'm going to go ahead and go. Okay. Not an apostate, but definitely a compromiser. Is that how we are with the word of God? Well, you know what? I like that message. I just don't want to do that. I don't reject it. I still read the Bible. I'll keep coming to church. I just i am going to pick and choose what I want to obey. If that's what we're doing, then we've begun to compromise. And listen, other than saying, let's hear from the Word of the Lord, and Ahab saying, this guy always speaks evil, and Jehoshaphat says, don't say that. From here on out, you don't hear a word from Jehoshaphat. He doesn't stand up to Ahab and say, hey, uh, what, father, what, what do you call it when you're in-law? What would, would they be father-in-laws? Is that his father-in-law? 
No, what is it? Just his in-law. Is that how you call it? Okay, no one's helping me. I don't know. Anyway, they're related by marriage. So instead of helping this guy out and saying, look, God's Word says, I wanted to hear God's Word. God's Word says don't go, and you're still going. Don't do that. He doesn't stand up. Second of all, he doesn't stick up for the prophet of the Lord when he's going to be thrown into prison. Why? Because Jehoshaphat is a spiritual compromiser. As good as he is. As godly as he is. He was a godly king. He has entered a season of spiritual compromise where he doesn't stand up to those who deny God's word and he doesn't stick up for those who speak God's word. What kind of friends do you have? What kind of friends? Third, deceivers will reap what they sow. Deceivers will reap what they sow. Deceivers reap self-deception and sovereign destruction. Here's what happens. There's everybody. There's people that are... This is full of self-deception. So see if you can identify yourself. Apostates are self-deceived in thinking they can still win in the end by avoiding judgment even though they reject God's word. This guy's going... Ahab's going into war. He knows God says you're going to be killed. And he's like, you know what? If I just wear a different set of clothes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay. He ain't going to be okay. Okay? Number two. Compromisers are self-deceived into thinking they can still win in the end by avoiding consequences, even though they're compromising God's word. Compromisers are self-deceived in thinking they can still win in the end by avoiding consequences, even though they are compromising God's Word. Jehoshaphat is a crazy guy. I want to hear the Word of the Lord. The Word says don't go. Uh, okay, I'll go. And then Ahab says, I've got this crazy plan. I'm going to be disguised. You go in your royal robes. Okay. Jehoshaphat barely escapes this battle with his life. You know why? Because the Arameans, Ahab's in regular clothes, they see Jehoshaphat in his royal robes, and they've been ordered by Ben-Hadad to kill Ahab, and so they go over after Jehoshaphat, and right before they're about to kill him, he says, I'm not Ahab! He barely escapes with his life. Okay. Number three, false prophets are self-deceived in thinking they can win in the end by silencing God's Word, even though they're being deceived by the Lord Himself. You see, false prophets want to shut down and silence the true prophets of God. And they think by silencing God's Word, they're getting away, when in fact God is judging them for their deception. And then finally, number four, the Lord's true prophets and His chosen remnant will win in the end. How? By remaining loyal to God's Word and refusing to be deceived by false prophets. Even though they are persecuted for doing so. Here's what Micaiah... Micaiah is the guy we want to be looking at in this passage. Micaiah remains loyal 
and refuses to be deceived, refuses to be an ear tickler, even though he ends up getting persecuted. But who's going to win in the Micaiah? It's going to be Micaiah. All right, so what happens? Well, here's the last point. Don't be deceived. Obeying the Lord will always win in the end because His Word rules over all. Don't be deceived. Obeying the Lord will always win in the end because His Word rules over all in the end. And we see that in 31 through 36. And as I said... Uh, Jehoshaphat, the the uh, Ben Hadad, they see Jehoshaphat. That must be a. And by the way, Ben Hadad has already told his army, "I don't want to fight anyone but Ahab. We're going to kill one person, and that's Ahab." Well, here's what happens: the word of the Lord cuts through deception to cut off deceivers and comfort believers. The Word of God cuts through the deception. Here's what happens. The Lord's prophetic Word traps the deceivers and strips His disguise. Traps and strips. He traps the deceivers in their own deception. Look at 31 through 33. Now the king of Aram had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots, saying, Do not fight with small or great, but with the king of Israel alone. So it came about when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat and said, Surely it's the king of Israel. So Ahab's trap, you know, his deception's working. And they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. Apparently he kind of knew what was going on, knew he shouldn't have been there. He said, I'm not him. 33, then it happened that when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But look at what happens next. Now a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel in a joint of the armor. So he, had, so he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the fight, for I am severely wounded. 35, the battle raged that day, and the king Ahab was propped up in his chariot in front of the Arameans and died at evening, and the blood from the wound ran to the bottom, bo- bottom of the chariot. Then a cry passed out through the army close to sunset, saying, Every man to his city, every man to his country. The prophecy comes through. You know what happened? King Ahab goes to war when God has decreed his death and judgment and literally gets killed and gets propped up as a a dying man in his chariot during the battle and bleeds into the chariot. And then they take the chariot back and they wash the chariot and the dogs lick up the blood just as Elijah had said. Washed in a pool where prostitutes bathed. Wow. So here's the two reminders for you. First of all, the Lord's loyal remnant uses the word to cut through deception. Listen, this book is what you use to cut through the lies of false teaching and deception. I can't encourage you enough to know this book now more than 
ever. Amen? Now more than ever. And then, number two, the Lord's loyal remnant refuses to compromise the Word with unbelievers. So, don't dabble. Don't gamble on outwitting God's Word. You're not going to be able to do it. And don't dabble in compromise. It will not pay in the end. Don't gamble, don't dabble. Make sense? And then finally, the Word of the Lord rules over all in the end. And so, verses 37 through 39. So the king died, was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. They washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria. The dogs licked up his blood. Now harlots bathed themselves there according to the word of the Lord which he spoke. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did and the ivory house which he built and all the cities which he built, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers and Ahaziah, I didn't practice that one, his son became king in his place. You know what's interesting? God's Word will tell you who's going to win in the end before it happens. And it's interesting how the world views Ahab. This guy dies in battle. He's noble. He built all these cities. He was a powerful, successful king. But back in chapter 21, we get God's estimation where He says, there was no one who did greater sin than Ahab. How do you figure that out? How do you figure out success in life? How do you figure out who's the deceiver and who's the real deal? You've got to use the Word of God. Amen? Great passage. There's some things in here. I don't understand what's going on in heaven with the deceiving spirits. We'll have to figure that out another day. But here's what we know what's going on down here. Don't gamble on outwitting God's Word with your disobedience. And don't dabble in spiritual compromise. It's not worth it. It's not worth it in your relationships. It's not worth it in your business. It's not worth, worth it in your entertainment. Don't compromise. Remain true because God's Word rules over all. Okay, let's go to the Lord. Father, we thank You that You give us these warnings before the end comes. We thank You that Your Word tells us who's going to win in the end. And it's the people that remain true to Your Word. It's the people who are willing to suffer persecution, suffer pushback, suffer ridicule. These are the people that are going to win in the end. And Lord, You're you're able to pierce through disguises. You strip away masks and facades. And Lord, Your Word can even pierce through the joints of armor and Your judgment will fall. Father, forgive us for thinking that we can outwit You. Forgive us for the areas of little compromise. And God, may we renew our heart to be sold out to You and Your Word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.